0: It's taken until episode 15, but the NFL is just about back with my friend PJ Glasser. I'm Joe Malfa. This is going to be the football preview episode. So if you don't want football talk, if you're focused on other things right now, listen to the first half hour, and then the last half hour is not for you. If you want <laughs> football, though, this whole thing is for you. PJ, we're going to go kind of lightning round through the NHL, PGA, NBA to start off. Then we got our guest, Adrian Dantley, NBA Hall of Famer. And then we're going to get into our very robust NFL 2020 preview. So we'll kick it off with golf. Uh, This past weekend, we saw some of the greatest display of putting I think we've ever seen. uh, Clutch putting. In the clutch at the end. How much fun did you have watching DJ and Rom go at it?
1: Between any two guys, that would have been good. But to have number one and two in the world going at it. And how about the turnaround that Rom had? Uh, He was plus six on a course that looked like you'd make maybe one or two birdies all day. I think on his final 24 holes, he shot like 10 under or something like that. He was fantastic. And he took the lead. He posted a number. DJ knew he had to get to four under. And to have that putt on 18 and to drill it right in the center of the cup. It was unbelievable. Unbelievable. It was pretty, pretty damn impressive, man. And it's great to see DJ get back to his old form right at, the, right at the time when he needs to. He's got the Tour Championship this week. He got the U.S. Open in a couple weeks. He obviously got Augusta in November. DJ is rounding out the form. Ron's still playing really well. Rory McElroy was in contention for much of the tournament. He's starting to work his way back. And we got ourselves quite a championship heading to uh, Eastlake this week.
0: So now that begs the tough question, especially given how the format works this week, um, who are you going with?
1: I'm going with Colin Morikawa. He's been good to me all year, and it's tough because there's so much firepower at the top, and they obviously have the stroke advantage. So DJ will start before any tee shots. Are hit. He'll start the tournament at 10 under. Rom will be right behind him at 8 under. Justin Thomas at 7. Webb Simpson at 6. Morikawa at 5. And then you got a slew of guys at 4 under, 3 under, 2 under, 1 under, and even. So it definitely doesn't help guys trying to chase the leaders that they already have shot advantages over them. But people had experience with this format last year, Joe, and I think that guys know that. If they can just cut the deficit each day and get to Sunday trailing DJ or Rom or Thomas by two or three shots, then then they got a shot. And Morikawa's proven in the big events that he's as good as anybody, he's as tough as anybody. He hasn't been playing too well the past couple weeks, so I think he's getting forgotten about with as well as DJ and Rom have been playing. So I think he comes from five back on the start of Friday and wins it.
0: So I agree with you in that if we're playing value, I think the only real quote unquote long shot as far as guys who are a bit of a ways away from DJ who has a chance, it's Morikawa. I think he, like you said, he hasn't been playing well the last couple weeks to be expected after, you know, a little, some, somewhat coming down from winning short. a major. <laughs> but what he showed us in that major is that he's got a lot of just mental toughness. And if anybody could do it, it's him. However, I I have a hard time with the way he's played these last two weeks. I went chalk last week with DJ. There's almost no value in it this week. He's plus 185. Yeah. Um, value not there, but I I can't, I just can't see him collapsing. I, I know we want to try to get some more value on, on Ram at plus 280 or JT plus 550, Marikawa for you plus 1800, but I think sometimes you just have to kind of look at it and, and realize the easiest thing might be the best thing. DJ won two weeks ago by a landslide. He was a couple of crazy puffs away from winning again, back to back weeks. And now you're giving me a five stroke lead over your guy, Morikawa two stroke lead over John Rahm. Um, I've got to go with DJ. I think the battle between he and Rom could be fun throughout the weekend, but I'm, I, you get a stroke lead with a guy who, should, who could two feasibly have won two. Yeah. One, I'm sorry, yes. I keep thinking about Mark with you being <laughs> that he's your pick. You got a two-stroke lead over Rob, uh, and you won two weeks ago. You should have possibly won last week. I have a hard time. Value not there, but I have a hard time going against Joe, them. here's how highly Vegas thinks of Dustin Johnson.
1: You have more value in picking the Thunder to win a game seven tonight than you do yeah. of picking Dustin Johnson to win a golf tournament. That's how yeah. good he is right now. Again, if you think DJ is going to win, nobody's going to blame you for picking him. But take some value because there are – I mean, hey, DiPito, yeah. Rory, Daniel Berger, Morikawa, Xander Schauffele, there's so many top ten players in the world yes. that are strokes behind that you can get a lot of value.
0: But again – Chase down DJ and ROM is going to be a tough one. And, look, I'm not going to tell you how to spread your money around because I don't want you showing up at my door because like, I lost you money. But um, this is one of those weeks where if you really think DJ is going to win, like I do, you put 10 bucks or however many zeros you want to add to that or whatever you want to change the one two in front of it. But on a base level, if you're, if you're playing with the, the funds that you and I are playing with here, if you want to put 10 bucks on DJ to win your $18.50 – if you really think DJ is going to win this week of all weeks, it's, it's not a bad week to if you're content with, you know, dealing without that 18 dollars and 50 cents in your pocket. And, and it's what I'm personally doing. Um, I'm putting the, the 10 bucks on DJ, and then I'm sprinkling uh, the 18.5 on ROM. I don't think anybody else comes up. I think it's between DJ and ROM. Uh, I'm putting the 10 bucks to win 18 dollars and 50 cents on DJ. I'm putting 18 dollars and 50 cents on ROM. So if DJ wins, I break even. If Rom wins, I get that much more. That's just kind of the way I'm looking at it this week, just dealing with some. And
1: I love the new format because in the past they had the FedEx Cup standings and then the tournament itself and guys were playing and they were like, do I need a birdie on this hole to, you know, be coming first or second? Now they just put everybody at a level playing field. They know where they stand in the tournament. It created a lot of fun last year and it should be a lot of fun again, especially with the top three players in the world, the top three oh, yeah. in the tournament. Oh, so yeah. it'll be a lot for me, fun. But
0: at the end for me, it's DJ, it's Rob. I don't think anybody else comes up to them. They're both playing stellar golf right now. We saw it on display. Hard time picking against either. Now, I said lightning round. We already spent way too much time on PGA than I wanted to. So we're going to the NHL. And after a very exciting first round, the second round hasn't really had it. All, uh, the four series at one point or another were all 3-1. to one. Yeah. Uh, Vegas did not close out. They're 3-2 as we, as we sit right now. Uh, Dallas and the ABS. Dallas did not close out. It's 3-2 Dallas. They are looking to close out tonight. Um, then in the east, the Lightning closed out over the Bruins, and we're still waiting for the closeout uh, for the Islanders over the Flyers. Um, I guess the best way to kind of tackle this, do you see any of those three teams that won in game five Completing the three-one series comeback.
1: I guess if you were to pick one, the sense, of the logical pick would probably be Colorado. Um, Philly, I do think, has a chance to force a game seven. You know, if Carter Hart plays really well and they get some timely goals and they don't blow a two-goal lead in the last five minutes, and yeah. they have a shot at forcing seven. Vegas is—they're the more talented. team.
0: I was stunned. Vegas didn't close it out last they, night. It was a backup goaltender in for the Canucks. The the final shot total. Vegas doubled them up on shots, um, but they just couldn't. They just couldn't find the net. It was ridiculous. I was, I, I was watching it, and it was. I, I haven't seen Vegas like that in in a bit in the playoffs. No, so do you have like crazy?
1: Yeah, do you have the stones to bet the under in the Avalanche Stars game? Six? God no.
0: i if there was somewhere offering the prop, I'd bet the over for the first period. The way these teams have played. I mean, the the over has cashed in that series, in every game with more than 80 percent of the third period still remaining that's crazy it's Mm -hmm. crazy and and, and the other day you know five in the first from the Av. like (laughs) anybody who bets the under uh in that series right now um you're probably a civilized human being you probably live in a house that has a toilet take the money that you were gonna bet on the under and just go flush it because that is the equivalent of what betting on the under is right now in that series and now that i've said that Expect a two-to-one grind. I was out just going to say. Out uh, but, but no, I, I, I do not have the stones to bet the under in that series. Um, I agree with you. I think uh, the abs of the team is most likely to complete the comeback. I think they played better than the stars throughout just about every game of the series. The difference is the stars play so well with a lead, the way they clog the neutral zone, and they've been able to get the lead sometimes just by complete pure fluky plays. Uh, the one game where Rajalov, the goal hit him in the, sh- well, the the puck hit him in the shoulder, bounced over the shoulder of the goalkeeper and into the net, and he 's looking up ice towards his own goal, trying to find the puck, not realizing he just scored a goal to put his team up uh, so they've had a lot of puck luck, but the abs have played better, and i, I think that of the teams they're the most likely to complete the comeback. Don't sleep on the flyers, Elaine Vigno led two separate three to one series comebacks. When he was with the Rangers, uh, once against the Penguins, once against your Capitals. So he's done it before. He's probably saying the same thing to those guys in the locker room, that it's doable. Uh, But I think the Islanders have played better. It's got to kind of get out of their own way late in the game. Uh, They kind of got in their way a little bit. Probably should have won it in overtime too. Uh, But, yeah, the one I think we're totally also in agreement on, Canucks have no shot at winning two more in a row against Vegas. So uh, we we could be sitting exactly just about where we thought we would uh, pending the outcome of the Islanders Flyer Series, where where we've got a uh, a Lightning team that has a chance to make it, and then Vegas, Colorado in the West. So it's, for the most part, going to form. The Islanders could throw a wrench into that. and The Stars closing out could throw a wrench into that. But we're still looking at that collision course between the Lightning and Vegas that we – uh, we're, we're in agreement on the that.
1: lightning have looked apart games. they dropped that first game against boston i mean they beat them seven to one, seven to one. Yeah, and that same rolling.
0: statement that they made against boston is why i have also the confidence in the abs they made that statement in game five that momentum is there now and like i said i think they were the better of the team the two teams in the first four games anyway so dallas
1: has to win tonight if that goes seven yeah. i do not they're like it
0: they have they're to win screwed. I'm yep. with you. they have they, to win.
1: You talk about 3-1 series leads and Utah could not close the deal. They were up 3-1 against Denver. Were you more impressed with Denver's ability to come back in the series or were you more surprised that Utah was not able to win one of the three final games?
0: See, it's another weird one. It's just the same way as the Avs and the Stars. And I guess it's coincidental because – with the Nuggets and Avs playing their, their games in the same place where they're not in a bubble. Now they're in a bubble, but going back to Colorado. uh, So that's just a pure coincidence, but uh, same thing. I I thought through the first few games, I really liked the way the Nuggets were playing. Um, You just got some more timely basketball from the jazz. And uh, you know, with the exception of one of those games, they were close games. They were all hard fought games with Murray and Mitchell going at it, going off. Um, So I wasn't necessarily surprised. I mean, especially with Gary Harris coming back then for the last couple of games, a a boost for the Nuggets. I I thought that – I thought that the Jazz had no chance to close them out in game five, first and foremost. Then ahead of game six, I was like, all right, the Jazz got that loss out of the way. It's tough to close out a team, 3-1. Then the – Jamal Murray Murray happened. happened, (laughs) And then all of a sudden you see Donovan Mitchell kicking over a stationary bike and you see Rudy Gobert kick a chair – and you're like, God, I mean, maybe the Jazz aren't mentally there either right now. Maybe they're just kind of in their head with some doubts. Now, that wasn't the case. If that was the case, then Nuggets would have blown the doors off of them in Game 7. The Jazz were grouped. They were a, a ball that was halfway down uh, that then rimmed out from from winning it anyway. And one of the ugliest basketball games I think I've watched in the last 10 years, 80-78 uh, to 78 final score. That's usually the score that we see at the end of the third quarter in today's game. Halftime,
1: um, some games.
0: Sometimes, you're right, sometimes halftime. So it was, it was a weird one to watch. But, no, I was to, to answer your question, Like, I, it wasn't really one or the other. It was just more of I saw glimpses of the Nuggets that kind of led me to believe that the 3-1 to one series lead was a bit of a, a misnomer and it really wasn't um, true to how the series had been played. So I thought they had a good chance of coming back, and they did. Um, and I, I don't think that the Nuggets really have any chance against the Clippers. You think they can uh, win a game? I think they could win a game, yes. I don't think they'll win two. Uh, when we talked last week, I, I had spoken with you about the Jazz being a tougher matchup for the Clippers because they forced them into that defensive grind it out sort of series, whereas the Nuggets, they just don't play defense. And that I think yesterday – was probably the only time you'll ever see a scoreline like that in a Nuggets game. But so they just don't play defense, and the Clippers play great defense. So I think you could see a lot of scorelines in this series too where it's Clippers 128, uh, Nuggets 107, stuff like that. So I, I give it five, and it was very telling to see in Jamal Murray's interview with SVP uh, on SportsCenter last night when SVP kind of like broke the news. So Murray thought they had a couple of days off, yeah. and SVP was like – Just a generic question, like, uh, what comes next now as you get set for game one on Thursday? And Jamal Murray, like, stopped in his tracks and he was like, wait, we play Thursday? Like, he thought they had two days off. So, it's a team that just poured so much into this series against the Nuggets. I mean, against the Jazz. And to no fault of their own, I just don't know if they have anything left going up against the Clippers team that seemed to flip a switch after the Luka buzzer beater and I think that it'll be pretty easy for the clippers. We we already previewed the Eastern Conference second round last week because all of those series ended very quickly. Um, yeah. but the other series then now still in the west we actually can't even preview because we're recording. Here well, who's on your pick tonight real quick? Uh, so so my pick tonight is the Rockets. So I guess with that being said, we can preview it and I like the Lakers. So the collision course of Lakers Clippers that we've been talking about for 8 months. Yeah. Um, but I think just the James Harden game will happen. We haven't really been waiting for that James Harden game in this series where he's like 10 of 14 from three and getting to the line and he drops a 50-burger. I think you see that tonight. Uh, I think the Thunder have been a really good scrappy bunch plugging along and, and forcing this to go as deep as it's gone. But I, I go with the Rockets. And do not underestimate this in the NBA. We've seen it before. The whistle is going to be totally in favor of the Rockets tonight. Tell me that the league would rather see, you know, Nerland's Noel and Dennis Schroeder and Chris Paul and the Thunder going up against the Lakers than seeing James Harden and Russell Westbrook take on the Lakers. So no, I go um, with the Rockets tonight. Westbrook needs to
1: show up. He is not Westbrook in great. Westbrook needs years. to stay
0: on the bench and just get out of Harden's way. I think. But,
1: I saw a tweet the other day that uh, game six was the most he's helped OKC in a playoff <laughs> game. A <laughs> uh, that's pretty funny. Yeah. He... uh play- he needs to stay out of Harden's way. He just needs to be his Batman to his Robin to his Batman,
0: you know, let Harden- the Batmobile just don't just don't even try to be the Robin. Just, just right, stay out of right. your way. Just, just don't let mess Harden, it up for everybody. Let Harden cook. I think he can. I think he will. Um, so we're, we're in agreement on the Lakers Clippers collision course. So there's the NBA. We did yeah. the NHL. We did golf. And now tell everybody what's coming next.
1: We got Adrian Dantley, NBA hall of famer. Great to talk to him. We've had this in our pocket for a couple weeks now. He was so great. we've had Matt Turner and Steve Sands the past couple weeks. Now we have Adrian Dantley talking to Matha with him. Some of his days in the NBA, what it's being like in the Hall of Fame, all that good stuff coming up. Pleased to be joined this week by our very special guest, NBA Hall of Famer Adrian Dantley. Adrian, how's everything going for you?
2: All pretty good. Not a good
1: summer, but uh, everything else is going pretty good. That's, yeah, that's for sure. 2020 just getting worse. Um, we appreciate you taking some time and joining us these days. I know that in a normal world that you're a referee in Montgomery County, what made you want to become a uh, referee? Well, one
2: thing I like being around the game, I like looking at the players who play in the area. Uh, keeps me in shape, keeps me around the game of basketball. Basically, I, I just like being active, being around the kids, and
0: uh, uh, I enjoy it. Now, was it difficult to transition to becoming a referee after being a player for so long? I know you probably gave, gave some referees a hard time back in your day. <laughs> I have an appreciation for officials by being a referee.
2: Mm-hmm. referee. Uh, games of all ages, high school, and uh, you get some rowdy crowds. But overall, I would say people really don't really give me a hard time because I played the game of basketball. But I definitely uh, feel for referees in
0: uh, refereeing games with my partners and our parents and our fans give the referees a hard time. So I have a great appreciation for these guys. Not an easy time being a referee, but I uh, wanted to take you back now to so your playing days and you played for the legendary Morgan Wooten at Damatha. What was the biggest piece of advice that Coach Wooten might have given you that has always stuck with you throughout your basketball career and throughout your life?
2: Well, Morgan, he, he, he had a big influence on all of his players at Damatha. He had a big influence even on the student body. Uh, he was like a father to me. Just, uh, just, Everything, you know, be a good person, have good character, uh, you know, know, be truthful, be a a family man, you know, have God in your life. So it was a lot of things that he would always say to us uh, during the four years that I was there and even after my career.
0: Now, when you got drafted into the NBA by the Buffalo Braves, uh, was there a guy in the NBA you were most excited to play against? Play against? Play against, so yeah. <laughs> well, when I played, uh, there were a lot of great small forwards that were in the game of basketball. A lot of guys who uh, were who Hall of Famers, and
2: and uh, I used to always say to people, when you when you can't sleep the night before, you know you're going to be playing against a, <laughs> a great basketball player. So I had a lot of sleepless nights playing against some some great players, uh, you know, during my career.
1: Now, you played for seven different NBA teams in your career Buffalo, Indiana, the Lakers, Jazz, Mavericks, Bucks, Pistons. Did you have a favorite city that you lived in?
2: Why did you have to bring that up that I played for that many teams? <laughs> uh, but uh, I was in Utah for about eight years. In Detroit. I had a really strange career, and uh, it, it took a lot of perseverance on my part to keep playing real well. will. When I was at Buffalo, uh, I played for an owner, a guy by the name of John Wise Brown. He was, uh, he liked ABA players. He traded me to Indiana after I was rookie of the year. Uh, As soon as I got to Indiana, the coach was really uh, nice and, and, and to tell me that Adrian, uh, don't buy a house here in Indiana. You won't be here long. You will be going to LA. I went to LA with about 19 games into the season. I was a second leading scorer in the league. Got traded to LA. Uh, when I was in LA we had some good good years. But I played with a guy by the name of Jamal Wilkes, and we were both of the same size, same height. They needed a bigger sport, so they traded me to Utah. I uh, was there in Utah for eight years. I'm pranking. I held out one year. You never forgave me for
1: that. Went to Detroit. So I had a
2: really strange career.
1: Now you mentioned one of the teams you played for was the Pistons, and that was during their bad boy era. Just how physical and competitive was basketball back in the mid to late 80s? Well, back then, there was good physical
2: basketball. Right now they going through the free-throw line. So our game is a different today than it was back then. You know, you got more wide open bats, more spacing, not that much physical play. Except for when the playoffs start, you'll see some physical play, where officials really don't call as tight as they do during the regular season.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, did you get a chance to watch the last dance documentary with Michael Jordan? Uh, and if you did, whether you did or didn't, you got to live it. So, what was it like being a part of that?
2: Uh, well, Michael Jordan came in the league, uh, I think my seventh year in the league. Uh, he had a tough time. He had to go through uh, Detroit. Uh, so, great player, best quality, best player to ever play the game. The uh, last chance, that was great series. I enjoyed it. Gave us some perspective of those on, uh, on the NBA team is probably
0: a lot of fans. Now, looking back on your career, what are some of your fondest memories? I mean, not necessarily from a specific team, specific city, but, you know, you got the time now to kind of enjoy yourself and, and look back on those days. What are some of your, your best memories?
2: know, well, one of my – some of my best memories was – I mean, was probably breaking UCLA, 88-game winning streak. Mm-hmm. Uh, Land in the Olympics in 1976. Uh, those are uh, memories. Those ones that always stick out to me. And, uh, 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 you know, being an all-star, all of fame, all those things. But those memories
1: uh, uh, on the Olympic team and pain uh, number one breaking UCLA's 88 game history. Now you mentioned it a little bit, but basketball nowadays, the game's so much different than back than what it was in the 70s and 80s with all these three-pointers, crazy high-scoring games. Do you like the direction the game is going? Do you do you personally wish that you got to
2: play in this era? Uh, I could have just fallen in any era, but uh, like I said, the, the league wanted more scoring. When they opened it up. So uh, uh, you got more big men shooting three-pointers. But it wouldn't bother me whatever. I'm- Eighties, nineties, now, you know, if you're a pretty
1: good player, you will adjust to whatever style of play that you have to play. Right now, last question, Adrian, before we get into our two final segments that we like to do with all our guests, you are a member of the NBA Hall of Fame. What, in your opinion, is just the coolest part about being in the Hall of Fame?
2: when I was a little kid, that was one of the things I thought about. And uh, to be in to Hall of Fame, when you go there and you go and visit the Shrine and you see all the great players that you remember when you was a little kid, uh, it's just the greatest thing in the world. You can't uh, – words cannot explain it. But uh, to be included with all those great players that have to play the game, uh, that's quite uh, an accomplishment. And uh, – um, I'm, I'm glad
0: I'm in there. <laughs> <laughs> now, as we mentioned, uh, as PJ just mentioned, two segments we like to finish up with with all our guests. First one's called the Swift Seven. It's just seven rapid fire questions. First thing that pops into your mind, just let it rip. And the other one is a trivia question. Not too hard. We're not gonna we're not gonna hurt you on that one. PJ's got it for you coming up in a minute. But first, the Swift Seven. Uh, number one, which career destination was your favorite? Uh, destination, play? yeah. yeah.
2: Oh, uh, Probably Utah. I had a great time in Utah, believe it or not.
0: I <laughs> uh, hope you didn't go to the Pizza Hut that, uh, <laughs> that Jordan had in a, the had a documentary. Uh, what was your favorite arena to play in?
2: My favorite arena was always love coming back to Washington and playing in New York.
0: All right. Uh, who was your favorite teammate? My
2: favorite teammate uh, no, I had a guy by the name of Ron Boone. He was a great player in the ABA. He took me under my wings when I was a rookie for my second year in L.A. Became great friends with him. Uh, great friend with him right now. He was like 10 years older than I was, so a uh, uh, good teammate. But I had a lot of guys that I you know, got along with.
0: Uh, four, what was your f- favorite pregame meal?
2: My favorite pre-game meal was I always ate at 12.30, uh, chicken, rice, and a vegetable. I always wanted to go into the games real light. If I got real hungry around 5 or 6 o'clock, I would eat a piece of fruit. That was it.
1: Okay. What's your
2: favorite sport other than basketball? That's a tough one there. Uh. I really didn't like baseball that much, but I've gotten into it. I really like it during the playoff, but it always still
1: would be football. Okay. Who is your favorite player currently to watch in the NBA?
2: I like watching Curry play. Uh, He's probably, he probably is one of my favorites. I enjoy watching him.
1: Okay. And then I know you really haven't been watching too much basketball since his return yet, but – Maybe from what you saw in the regular season, do you have a pick this year of a team you like to win the title?
2: Uh, I've been watching the games a little bit uh, lately. Uh, I I, I still think the are going
1: to win. Okay. Yeah, I agree with you. All right, Adrian, last thing before we let you go. As Joe said, we have a trivia question we like to do with all our guests, and we think we got a good one for you that relates to you. So – We'll give you 90 seconds so you get three strikes to try and get the correct answer. Joe will put 90 seconds on the clock for you after I'm done reading you the question. So your question is, during the 1976-1977 season, you won Rookie of the Year and you were on the NBA All-Rookie team. Can you name three of the four other players who were on the All-NBA Rookie Team with you?
2: John Lucas. That's one. Scott right. May. Scott May's two. Uh, Craig Butler. No. Not him. Nope. Deion Bennett.
1: Nope. No. Richard Washington.
2: Richard
1: Washington. No, not Richard Washington.
2: I don't
1: know. So the other two, you got Lucas and Scott May. The other two were Ron Lee from Phoenix and, yeah. and Mitch Kupchak from the Bullets.
2: Yeah, I could have to get that. He was on my team with me on
1: the Olympics. He was a teammate on the Olympics team. Yeah. Well, well done. You got, those, you got those two pretty quick. So, Adrian, we appreciate you joining us. We know you're busy. Thanks for taking some time with us and talking some hoops. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Take care. We have a better summer next summer. Yeah, of course. I so you, and you. Take it easy. That was Adrian Dantley, NBA Hall of Famer Joe, our first Hall of Famer that we. I was met.
0: just going to say, it's not oh, often you get to talk to a Hall of Famer, and that was that was something to hear. Just just how special it is to be in the Hall of Fame. What I a mean, credit
1: to him too. I mean, a journeyman, pretty much. He's been on seven teams, yeah. but. Made his name in Utah, was so good, though, for so long, so reliable. And you hear him, want to talk, you know, being able to be in the Hall of Fame and seeing his name amongst all the great players. It's cool hearing him talk about Michael Jordan a little bit as well. He played on those bad boy team with the Pistons, so it was nice of him to Join us and get to talk to him. Yeah, about I'm that. trying of
0: picture him like refereeing, you know, the youth game. Now it's just <laughs> it's an interesting one too. It's funny, you know? he
1: did he refereed one of my uh, one of my pickup games that I did when really? I was college. He did, <laughs> he did, and I, he walks into the gym and I'm like, "Dude, Adrian Gantley? He's like, "Yeah." I'm like, "All right, well, just go easy on my team tonight if you could, or whatever." No, <laughs> so, uh, no, it was pretty cool to have him ref our game, um, Joe. You've been saying it all show. It's time for the NFL preview. The
0: last last week
1: (laughs) we have without NFL games for hopefully up until February. Let's hope.
0: Yeah, Um, hopefully. So
1: as we did with MLB, we'll go through division winners, playoff predictions. We'll give out our awards for MVP, rookie of the year. Expanded
0: playoff predictions. Yes. And then
1: uh, at the end, we'll give our – betting and team that we like prediction each week during football season we're now going to hand out our best bets
0: yes that is a we'll couple college of things and then couple of things that you know have been staples in our our pods you know we've had the where would you go joe we've had the trivia now building on that we're going to have our weekly picks our weekly bets and then we're going to see as the season goes how we want to kind of work the fantasy aspect of it if we want to give sleeper of the week, bust of the week sort of thing. But there will be a, a few more um, kind of staples of the show uh, weekly with the NFL, and it's just so great to have football back, PJ. We're so close, a week away so from, from the and I've got two fantasy drafts tonight. Uh, I've got another over the weekend, and I'm in way too many leagues, but, like, that's not going to stop me, so... <laughs>
1: <laughs> I got to tell you, too, the preseason, I mean, obviously, obviously I wish we had football, more football is better than no football, but it's almost not getting talked about. And usually when you get to like the second preseason game, you want the regular season so bad. And since we haven't had a sniff of it yet, it's like, all right, one more week. And then we're just going to, they're going to throw out the 18. Exactly.
0: It's so weird. We're going from nothing to having it all at once. And the real thing, um, that's like part of the reason why I think like the ratings for hard knocks haven't been as great this year, because usually we have the buzz like, Oh, we got preseason on Thursday, preseason on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday is usually an off day. And then, Oh, we've got hard knocks on Tuesday. Let's see what happened uh, from a different perspective in those Rams and Chargers games. So between that, between the competition of, of going up against, you know, game seven last night, nuggets jazz, nobody was watching hard knocks over that. So, uh, but like that just kind of goes to the whole thing. That's so weird right now. It's so eerie. Like, it's back in a week. Like it is back, back in a week. Not Hall of Fame game in a week. It is Thursday night season opener, Super Bowl champs in a week. So it's back though. It's back, and it back. and we're gonna pick it. We might be wrong, but Let's we're gonna get pick- into it. So division winners, AFC East, your division: Dolphins,
1: Bills, Jets, Patriots. Who's taking home the AFC East title?
0: It's it's got to be the Bills for me. I, I don't understand. Maybe it's the Cam Newton effect. I don't know if they're overrating that. Maybe it's the Belichick effect. Maybe they're overrating that. It doesn't make sense to me that the Patriots over-under right now is nine. Um, is it really? Well, it's nine. And let's not forget how many guys on that team opted out, how many important guys opted out. So I don't see them being a threat. The Jets are going to be a just colossal dumpster fire this year. Um, I mean, the, there's going to be the bright spots with Donald and with Joe Douglas starting to really build the team and stuff like that. But the injuries are already setting in. They have no receivers. The defense is missing Jamal Adams and C.J. Mosley. Um, So they could be bad, like four or five wins bad. Uh, The Dolphins are probably also going to be four or five wins bad. Uh, The Patriots, I think, are six or seven wins bad. I really don't see them really contending. But the Bills have a great defense. Um, They have a a nice running back stable. They have Stephon Diggs now. Um, The thorn in their side is they have Josh Allen. But I think he can manage them enough with the defense, with the running game, to come up with nine or ten wins and win the division. Um, And and also just in the same way that the Patriots have kind of reaped the rewards of the AFC East being so bad, now I think this year the Bills can reap the rewards of the AFC East being so bad.
1: We had Dan Orlovsky on, and he talked about the Ravens will be really good, the Chiefs will be really good. He thinks the Steelers have a chance to be good. And then the Bills, he said they're a team that – they don't beat themselves. They play great defense. It'll all come down to Josh Allen. But, again, I don't think the Bills need to worry about that until the playoffs. They're going to be in every game. They're going to score in the mid-20s. Their defense will keep the opponent in the teens or the low 20s, and that's how they like it. They found a way to win a lot of those games last year. I think they'll find a way to win a lot of them again. And, like you said, Stefan Diggs is going to be huge. They essentially bring back their whole – offense and now you add one of the top 10 receivers in the league which is only going to help Josh Allen so I think it's the Bills division to win AFC North I think is going to be the best division in football outside of the Hmm. NFC West Ravens Steelers Browns I think are all chance to be playoff teams the Bengals too I don't think people should be talking about them in the breath with the Jaguars and all that Joe Burrow being a rookie obviously hurts, especially this year, not getting OTAs and preseason reps and all that stuff. But they do get A.J. Green back. They get Jonah Williams back. They just signed Joe Mixon. The defense obviously is still a question mark. I don't know how much of a believer I am in that coaching staff yet, too, um, with Zach Taylor. But I think the the Bengals could win maybe five or six games, but the Ravens are going to be great and people talk about too their schedule and they're playing the NFC East along with obviously their division and the AFC, the farthest West they have to travel is Houston. Yeah. So in this COVID climate, they won't have to worry about a whole lot of travel, but the Steelers with Ben to me is the real wild card of not the division, but the AFC. But I, I do think the Ravens take home the division.
0: So I agree. I think it's a Ravens division to lose. You're probably looking at another 12 and four, or 13 and three season for this team. Uh, but the Steelers will be very good and very competitive this year. Big Ben, it's just a matter of what does the elbow and the arm look like reports are that it's good. I don't believe that till I see it because what are they going to say? His elbow sucks and we're going to suck again. No, like they're going to say his elbow is good, even yeah. if it's not. So we'll wait and see first on that. Uh, but if the elbow is truly good, uh, between Juju, between their other just really good allotment of receivers, the drafting of Chase Claypool. Let's not sleep on James Conner at running back, Benny Snell, Anthony McFarlane Jr. They have a lot of talent on offense. And for all the talk about that offense, let's not forget this defense was oh, top five in five last league. year. Yeah. They're a top five defense in the league. It's back to like Steel Curtain, Steelers defense of old. And th- they carried a team – that had Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges playing quarterback. So having a chance at making the playoffs the last week of the season. So even if Ben Roethlisberger's is not normal Big Ben, as long as he's 75% Big Ben, which is still about 40% better than the quarterback play they got last year, it's a team that's probably going to win 10 games this year. And they're in the playoffs for me. We'll get to that later as we get through our yeah. whole playoff picture. But the Ravens win the division. The yeah. Browns, Bengals, though, I'm not as high on as you. I think it's going to be tough for Joe Burrow. I don't I'm not trusting AJ Green. We haven't seen him in like a couple of years now. So, they have him back for now. Um but but yeah, they'll they'll be they won't be as horrible as they were last year, but they're still probably a four-win team. And I just can't buy I can't really buy into the Browns still. I mean, um they have the pieces there. I don't know that I could really trust them until they show it. Uh we we pretty much pumped them up last year. We meaning just generally the football public um after they got the after the Odell Beckham Jr. trade, yeah. it never came to fruition. I don't know how much I trust Kevin Stefanski as a head coach. I thought that was a questionable hire for them. Um, so I, I kind of see them still as a seven or eight win team. Um, but I I do agree that uh, it's the Ravens' division by all means to lose, and the Steelers are going to be a force to be reckoned with with that defense again this year.
1: Nobody benefited from the extra. Postseason team, adding that seventeen than the Steelers did. They've shown the last ten years they would have made it the most of any AFC AFC team. So that definitely helps them. And then Mike Tomlin, he is an automatic eight and eight. So right off the at least. So right off the bat, you know you're getting at least eight wins. You would think if Ben's healthy, that's good to get you at least two or three more. So I'm with you. I think the Steelers would be really good. AFC South is the only division winner we do not agree on. Jaguars just put them in the trash can.
0: Jaguars are going to win two games, three games at most.
1: They're playing for Trevor Lawrence. Texas yes, playing
0: for Trevor Lawrence and Davo Sweeney. I think, I, I don't think they're, thinking,
1: they're getting Davo.
0: I, I don't know that they're going to get him, but I think they're playing Doug Marone to just kind of be the, you know,
1: they're going to go three and 13.
0: Yeah. He's going to get fired. It's a given. Um, he'll ride out the season. That's it. They emptied the cupboard for him. Uh, now it's just going to be a question of if they have Trevor Lawrence, can they pull that away? I don't know if they no, will. Shame. I don't think that they will. But I just wanted to plant that seed, so it's something to revisit. You know, you can plant uh, it.
1: I'm picking it up January. out of the ground <laughs> and throwing it <laughs> 20 yards downfield. Um, but the AFC South: Colts, Titans, Texans. You got to all figure we will be beating each other up, kind yes. of be eight, nine, and seven.
0: Who this you- is going to be. That's this it. is going to be one of those stereotypical years, I think, where. Um, you're really not going to know who wins this division till like the last week or two, because it might take eight and eight or nine and seven to win this division. It's going to be one of those type of years because those three teams are going to cannibalize each other. Um, I'm not as high on the Titans this year. I, I know they have that kind of aura around them from the run they went on at the end of the year, but we saw the Jaguars make that run in the AFC title game. And what happened after that? We saw uh, the Jets oh nine ten, 9 10 do that. And then it kind of faded. So, It's a team that plays good defense, runs the ball well, and they got hot at the right time. But let's not forget who they were for just about the whole year last year, which was a team that treaded water around 500, won a lot of close games that, you know, just regression to the mean and just from a probability standpoint, don't know that they're going to win all those close games again. And they're going to be in those close games because, just again, the way they play where it's defense and running the ball, they're going to just inherently be in low scoring, close games. Don't know that they're all going to go their way again. Um, I don't know that Ryan Tannehill can play as nearly perfect as he did last year uh, until he proves it again for another year. So I I think there's a major pumping of the brakes that has to be done for the Titans. I'm not saying they can't win it. Um, I do, uh, as a matter of fact, have them in the playoffs again, more on that as we go along. But I I don't think they're this kind of forced to be reckoned with giant that we kind of saw get hot from weeks 15 through the AFC title game first half. Um, With that being said, again, in in a tight division, they could very well win it. I like the Colts. The Texans uh, still have their issues defensively, offensively. I mean, what are you doing after trading DeAndre Hopkins? I personally think David Johnson could be a really good workhorse for them. He just wasn't really used well in Arizona. And I, I think, you know, just the, the fact that Bill O'Brien's going to want himself to not look like an idiot, I think they're going to ride David Johnson as much as they can. So, like, he'll be good. Brendan Cook's in that situation. Let's not forget that he's a really good receiver, too. They still have talent. Um, but Deshaun Watson, I think, can only do so much. And, and I think they probably hover around 8 and 8, 9, and 7 as well. Uh, the Colts, for me, are the most complete team. Uh, defensively, they're improved. Offensively, best offensive line in football. Um, they got Philip Rivers, and they have Ty Hilton. They went out and drafted Taylor from Wisconsin to already pair with Marlon Mack and what was a very prolific run game last year. So I really like the Colts. I I see them at nine and seven, ten and six. Basically, the way I kind of consider this division is. Of the three teams, the Texans, Titans, Colts, which one can I most likely see going 10 and 6? I think they're the best coach team with Frank Reich. Um, I have the Texans as an 8 and 8 or 9 and 7 team. I have the Titans as probably a 9 and 7 team. And the Colts were the only team where I looked at and said I could see them at 9 and 7 or 10 and 6. So with that more upside and just kind of rejuvenation of Phillip Rivers and the weapons he has, I go Colts.
1: This was a tough division. For me, I'm not as high on the Colts as you are. It was between the Texans and the Titans for me. We ta- you just talked about the Browns and how everybody were loving them for that Odell trade. The Texans caught nothing but backlash for the Hopkins trade, and deservingly so yes. for a win now. It was not a great trade, but they do still have Deshaun Watson. You mentioned they still have Cooks there and Will Fuller. Their defense does have some issues, but you still got J.J. Watt on that defensive line. I think the Titans win this division, though. Ryan Tannehill, I'm not sold on him yet, but I think he was very good. A.J. Brown's one of the most underrated ce- receivers in the NFL. Uh, he's he's fantastic. And that defense, you, you know, you think Frank Reich is the best coach in this division. I think it's Mike Vrabel, man. I told you how much I compare him to, like, a Rod Brindamore. He just – he has that it to him that you just really can't explain, but his team follows his persona. Derrick Henry, I think that maybe that playoff run can kind of just traject him towards sure. big things.
0: But also I look the other way. They ran his ass into the ground last year, and it's going to be tough to replicate that. There's a just lot of – he, he had a you, – you being a Bama guy, you know – the reason he went as late as he did in the draft and not earlier is because he had a lot of wear on those tires from college. Now they <laughs> ran him to death the last couple of years. It's just more and more and more miles on those tires where you, you – if he came out and only had 1,100 yards, like it wouldn't be shocking. Like 1,100 yards is still a good season, but I don't, I don't see him being that fourteen or 1,500-yard um, first-team All-Pro. Like I just think it's going to catch up to him at some point.
1: It might, but I don't think it's going to be this
0: season. Yeah. dereks
1: he's – I mean, he's different. He's, he's bigger than, I mean, most of the defensive linemen. He's, he doesn't look like a
0: real human being. He looks nah. like he's created in a lab. He's – I, I still can't get out of my mind the picture of him next to Mark Ingram from a few years ago when he was still at Bama. Like, he is incredible, the, the size of him oh. and the way he's able to move like that. He's built like a defensive end and its incredible. It's—it's a—it is an absolute marvel to just watch him play. But um, I don't know. I think if, I think there's a mean regression of all possible teams in the league. I think the Titans are going to get hit the hardest and by I can, it I with can see, and with Henry. And I can see where you're all coming. All the close games they won. So
1: the Colts, though, I just don't trust Philip Rivers. Uh, you know, I mean, he he might be a Hall of Famer. He might be, but
0: he's definitely a Hall
1: of Famer. I mean, I, you know, Jonathan Taylor. People love that pick for them running behind that offensive line. Ty Hilton might be rejuvenated to have Rivers there. We'll see. I, I don't know. That that's that's a tough division to predict. It'll be interesting to see what happens. One that probably not won't tough be to predict tough. the West. Yeah, the West. Um, not tough.
0: To predict the better the West.
1: question is who finishes second behind the yeah, Chiefs. Yeah,
0: so the Chiefs are one. The Chiefs yeah. are again a thirteen and three probably team where if they're not your pick to win the Super Bowl or at least play the Ravens in the AFC title game, you're probably not really,
1: you just uh, want to be different.
0: Yeah. You probably just want to be different and not really sure what's going on. And I don't know what to tell you, but the, the race for two is interesting. I think the chargers fall to the back of the pack. Um, Defense is solid. They lost Derwin James. Now, Austin Eckler, can he be a bell cow? I feel like it's a question we ask a lot of the Chargers. Like first, it was Darren Sproles back after LT, and mm-hmm. and with Michael Turner, we weren't sure they traded him to the Falcons. He proved it. Um, now it's the question is with Eckler, can he be a bell cow back? I don't know. Um, but they got Keenan Allen. Mike Williams is hurt and out for a few weeks now, four to six weeks, sprained AC joint. So and the injuries are already starting to pile up. Thurman James, it's, Ty- it's Tyrod Taylor, it's Justin Herbert. They named Taylor the starter. He's solid, but. He doesn't really move the needle for me. Yeah. I think Anthony yeah. Lynn's one of the best coaches in the NFL, um, but I'm not really sold on the Chargers this year. I think they probably see themselves through to a 6-10, and 7-9 year. Um, so I, they kind of fall back with the pack for me. I'm really interested to see how the Raiders play this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like the additions they made offensively. Ruggs brings a whole new dynamic to that offense. Waller's really solid. Josh Jacobs. Um, I think after the you know Christian McCaffrey – Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, tier of three. I think of that next tier of running backs as far as fantasy goes. He is the most likely to bust a door down and be in that top three. Mm-hmm. He's a stud. Um, and then yeah. the Raiders. The Raiders have really, I think, done a good job of team building. And I like Gruden as a coach. I know some people think he's overrated, and they'll go back and say, "Well, he won his Super Bowl by inheriting Tony Dungy's team." Well, let's not forget that he beat the Raiders in that Super Bowl. So, if you want to criticize him that he didn't build the Bucks, well, he beat the team that he did build. So, yeah. either way you look at it, the team he built made the Super Bowl that year. He just happened to win it with the opposition. Um, so, I, I don't buy that, that he's an overrated coach uh, talk. So, I, I like them this year. I think Derek Carr, it's put up or shut up time for him. Uh, before he broke his leg a couple years ago, he was an MVP candidate. So, it's just a question of which one do we get. They mm-hmm. like Mariota a lot. Bruden has always fallen over Mariota. Do we see him at some point? Uh, because there's so many questions with them, I can't really put them at more than seven and nine or eight and eight. I love the Broncos. I'm really high on the Broncos. They their offense is going to be incredibly fun to watch. Just all the receivers they have, all the targets they have. Um, defensively, don't forget as well. Uh, Vic Fangio was the the brains behind that Bears defense that nearly that was a very popular pick to make a Super Bowl run a couple years back. Um, so they're getting Chubb back from a torn ACL to pair uh, with Von Miller. Uh, the defense, again, has a chance to be back towards the top of the league, top 10. And then offensively, man, I don't think any team in the league did a better job of constructing an offense for a young quarterback I'm than what you. the Broncos did for Drew Locke. They got Lloyd Cushenberry in place center. It was a position of need for them. Checkmark on fixing the old line they already had Cortland Sutton. They already had Deshaun Hamilton. They already had Noah Fant, an early tight end pick, who's really set to break out this year, I think, uh, and take that like George Kittle-type leap from year one to year two. Uh, then on top of all that, they draft Jerry Judy. They draft KJ Hamler. They are loaded with talent. They're going to be a fun team to watch. They have the defense to go with it as well. I have them as a 9-7 and team that could maybe surprise and push the 10 six is why i have them where i have them in the playoffs uh, as a wild card uh, but it's the chiefs division i think the broncos are second raiders third chargers last and it's obviously it's chiefs kingdom baby it is the chiefs kingdom in the afc west
1: not much to add just you know the broncos they got melvin gordon too so now you got philip Lindsay and melvin gordon yes, who are i, the I nice mentioned the
0: receivers i didn't even mention game. the running backs completely forgot about melvin gordon
1: nice change of pace as well the Raiders to me are very interesting because I think they really overachieved last season. Antonio Brown took the life out of that team. They were on hard knocks and just his whole drama really sucked kind of any momentum they really had into the season, but they played really well for a good amount of the year. Now you bring in Ruggs, who's going to be like a mini Tyree kill. You talked about Josh Jacobs. He's my favorite Alabama running back more than Derrick Henry, more than Trent Richardson, more than TJ Eldon. I love me some Josh Jacobs. He is a stud. The Raiders, though, the question with them is their defense. I mean, how much defense are they going to play? Now, the Chargers, if they had Derwin James, I think had a chance to be a really good defense, bringing Chris Harris over from Denver. But with the QB situation, we saw Tyrod last year on the Browns or two years ago on the Browns. And he just he's a quarterback who doesn't take chances. Yeah. And Herbert will take chances. And whenever it
0: comes in, he's going to get exposed to be 2020 version of Mitchell Trubisky, but that's a story for something down line. Right,
1: and you mentioned they lose Mike Williams, which is just huge because he takes so much of the pressure off Keenan Allen. Hunter Henry's good, but he can never stay healthy. So plenty of question marks around the Chargers. I'm with you, though. After the Chiefs, it's the Broncos. They have a chance to be good but Kansas City. I mean, look, they paid Mahomes, so he's going to be it. healthy. They pay, So he's going to be happy. Chris Jones, they paid. He's going to be happy. He's still got Kelsey, Hill, Watkins, Nicole Hardman.
0: And you and all Edward of that Hilaire. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Yep. It's, it's that, unbelievable. Every it's year. Be a new Brian Westbrook for Andy Reid, who just also got a new contract for six years. So <laughs> – I mean, everyone's I happy. Know,
1: they're hungry. Still. They're in
0: a perfect situation. Yeah. They're, they're going to
1: be dangerous. They're, it is NFC. birth
0: of a birth of a dynasty with the chiefs. If I told you real quick, before we go to the NFC, if I told you um, in the next five years over, under one and a half more Super Bowls, would you take the over or the under five years? Ooh, I think they've got two of the next five in the bag as well. So uh, it's going to be fun to watch. We'll see if this year is one of those two and they go back to back. But uh, now somewhere uh, that never happens as far as going back to back is the NFC East. Seriously. Uh, we're still waiting for a repeat division winner. And I don't think this is the year for it either. Um, the Eagles took yeah. it last year. They're already starting with injuries. You don't know what's going on with Alshon Jeffrey. You don't know. I mean, every year it seems to Sean Jackson has some soft tissue too yeah. fast for his own good, especially getting up there in age at running back miles Sanders. Does he take that leap? We don't know. Are they a possible landing spot for Leonard Fournette? We'll see um, more questions and answers for a team that is still trying to be in a Super Bowl window after having just won it. Um, I mean, Carson Wentz is great, but I, I just don't healthy. know. I, I mean, I, I hate, I, I hate the narrative around him being injury prone. It's, it's I wouldn't be surprised at all with him if we see what we saw at Matthew Stafford, where at the beginning of Matthew Stafford's career, he had a couple of different injuries that affected him. And it was like, oh, he's injury-prone. He's injury-prone. And then he went on to have the longest streak after Eli Manning because he had a back injury last year. And he still wanted to play, and they held him out. Um, So, I mean, he he, he played every game in the regular season last year. He had a concussion in the postseason. He tore his ACL weirdly on a contact play going back. He's had a couple of little back things that have been, you know, not related to anything. So it's just a bunch of different things that where I don't think he, I don't buy the, the thing that he's injury pro. And I think hopefully he kind of pulls a Stafford and, and proves everybody wrong on that. But besides that, the Washington football team is horrible. Um, the New York giants are pretty bad as well. Uh, the, the Washington football team could probably steal a game here or there just because their defensive front is going to be nasty. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, For them to even get to five wins, I think would be pretty remarkable this year. Can you name their
1: second best receiver?
0: I can't. (laughs) Uh, Well, yes, actually I can because I wanted the Jets to draft him and Antonio Gandy Golden. Um, Hey, but the I think uh, um, you know it's
1: it's going to be a long year. Them and the Giants. It's the Cowboys and Eagles.
0: It's just going to be a long year, man. Like I don't, I don't know how you can really put any faith in either of those teams to do anything but maybe crack the five win marks. So it's an easy division. It's Cowboys Eagles. The Eagles have the injury issues. Cowboys are loaded, man. I mean, the defense is a problem. They're going to have to just kind of outscore every team they play. And, and, and I wouldn't put it past them to do that, to put up 35 a game Dak is in a contract year. Just, I mean, sorry, not, well, yes. I mean, he's signed the franchise tag. Still franchise. looking for that, for that big deal. So he's got that to play for. He just missed a 5,000-yard season last year. He has Cooper, Gallup. They added C.D. Lamb. Blake Jarwin is a major upgrade now rising into a more prominent role over Jason Witten, who should have been in a retirement home last year. And I think Witten being there was holding Jarwin back because they had so much respect for Witten, they didn't want to give Jarwin more reps. Right. You bring in Mike McCarthy, who I'm not personally high on as a coach, and think yeah. that winning only one Super Bowl and getting to only one Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers and that Packers team is an underrated failure, um, but he still has a good pedigree and he could still be that jolt they need to take it to the next level with Jason Garrett gone. Everything's going well for the Cowboys, I think, offensively. It's just a matter of how many points do you give up defensively to, to mean how much stress are you putting on Dak Prescott? Does he have to score 40 a game to win? Does he have to score 28 a game to win? But either way, they strike me as a 10-6 and six or 11-5 team and the division's theirs.
1: Dallas's offense might be the best in the NFL behind Kansas City. Yeah, like he just mentioned be, all their weapons. It,
0: it might be better than Kansas City. It might be. Just because, just because I think of, of with the Chiefs, Edwards-Elair is going to be dangerous because of how he catches the ball out of the backfield. And there's nobody on the Chiefs who can run the ball the way Zeke can run the ball. So in a given week, you don't know if the Cowboys are going to come out and say, yeah, we're going to throw for 500 yards on you. Or if they're going to say, all right, we're going to actually give it to Zeke 30 times for 200 yards in this game. So just because they could keep teams so off balance like that, where teams can, teams can dare the Chiefs to run on them and just deal with the pass, still probably not going to go well for a defense. But because the Cowboys could keep teams on their toes like that, I wouldn't be surprised if we're, if we're questioning week eight, nine, if the Cowboys are maybe a better offense than the Chiefs.
1: Well, you mentioned the balance, but that's to me what makes the Chiefs better is because you know they're going to pass and you still can't stop it. Which True, he, that's a
0: fair point. Which yeah, is what makes them so
1: dangerous. I, I couldn't believe CeeDee Lamb, though, dropped to Dallas. I thought when he, they, when he got to San Francisco at 13 and they took Ayuk over him, I could not believe that. But Dallas is the beneficiary. They get C.D. to go along with Gallup and Cooper. Their defense, I mean, they got good young linebackers. Jalen Smith, Leighton Van Der Esch, Demarcus Lawrence is still there. Their cornerbacks are going to be the issues, though. They lose Byron Jones to Miami. So, like you said, their passing offense is going to throw for a lot of yards, but their passing defense is going to give up a lot of yards. This division is almost like which team is going to limp their way to the title because you don't fully believe in any of them, but the Cowboys on paper just are so talented. Now the NFC North is an interesting division.
0: So, yeah, we Packers, disagreed on one. We disagreed on one division in each conference. Yes, and, and this, this is our NFC disagree. This is
1: our NFC one, and the Packers so quietly went thirteen and three last season because Aaron Rodgers wasn't flashy at all. Threw for one or two touchdowns a game. Aaron Jones was really the star of that team. He was fantastic, and Jordan Love drafting him first overall. When you're the Packers, you're a game short of the Super Bowl, and you take a backup quarterback in the first round, which obviously did not sit well in Titletown. Their defense is going to be really good again with the Smith brothers up front who aren't related, Zadarius and Preston. And then their back end, their secondary Jair Alexander is excellent. The Vikings, Dalvin Cook, I mean, I had that guy in fantasy last year. He was fantastic. I just don't trust Kirk Cousins still. And now you take away digs from him. I don't think their offense is going to be nearly as good as they were last year. Their defense is still going to be good, but, man, losing Diggs is huge. And then the Lions and the Bears. I don't trust Trubisky with the Bears. I don't trust Matt Patricia with the Lions. They lose Darius Slay. Their defense is going to be worse than it was last year.
0: And it was horrible.
1: And it was horrible. You could have had Slay and Okuda. Now you get rid of Slay, you just have Okuda, and he's a rookie who doesn't have any experience yet. You think he's going to be very good, but you don't know. The Lions' offense will be fun to watch. It will Because be. Marvin Jones, Galladay, you add Swift to go with Kerryon Johnson. You talked about Noah Fant. Hawkinson was his yes. college teammate who also got drafted in the first round that year. He could be very good. Lions will score a lot, but they'll give up a lot. The Bears won't score a lot. They won't give up a lot. And then the Packers and the Vikings are kind of a combination of the two, but I trust the Packers' offense more than the Vikings, and that's why I give the, odd, the nod to the Packers.
0: Yeah, I, I think, you know, we talked about the kind of regression from the Titans that I see this year. Um, the Packers last year, from an analytics standpoint, their record probably should have been 9-7 and seven instead of 13-3. and three. Just the way they uh, kind of just got lucky. And I don't want to say got lucky, but the way they kind of just grinded it out in some close nothing games. Nothing flashy. Yeah, it was, not, it, it was nothing flashy. Um, they're doubling down on running the ball after drafting A.J. Dillon, giving nothing for Aaron Rodgers to work with besides Devontae Adams. Um, their defense is fine. It's, it's good on a good day. could be bad on a bad day. It's it's nothing special. Uh, but I, I just – I have a tough time. As quietly as they went 13-3, and three, um, I have a tough time giving them a, a record similar to that again this year. I think it's. I think a lot of the close games they had last year, a lot of the games they were lucky to win against bad opponents last year, Um, it it comes back to bite them this year. And I'm high. I'm much higher on this Vikings team, I think, than you are. Um, I don't think Stephon Diggs is as great as you say he is, as far as being one of the top ten receivers in the NFL. I think he's very good, but I think Justin Jefferson comes in and replaces him without any issues. And I, I think just kind of the The issues that Diggs had uh, personality-wise, clashing with Kirk Cousins and stuff, I think Jefferson could be an upgrade at at the end of the season, looking back on it. Um, The offensive line, it's okay. Um, Could be better. Adam Thielen last year was hurt, and and that really cost them offensively, and they still had a really good year and made the playoffs. Having having him back healthy is huge. Justin Jefferson steps right in for Stephon Diggs. Dalvin Cook, healthy, one of the best in the league. Alexander Madison, one of the best backups in the league where, you know, from a fantasy standpoint and from a regular game statistical standpoint, if, if Cook goes down, Madison, I think comes in kind of like Latavius Murray with the saints and, and just kind of picks up the slack. They just got Yannick and Gakwe. So as one Turp leaves and other Terp enters yeah. and they've got the, the bookend pass rushers with him and Daniil Hunter, um, they, they have one of the most underrated players in the NFL and Harrison Smith at safety. Uh, corner, it's it's set. Linebackers with Barr and Kendricks, it's set. They kind of tick off all the boxes. It's just a matter of um, you know, you know, uh, being in the area, seeing the team, covering the team. It's just the stigma of Kirk Cousins. Like, which Kirk Cousins is it? Is the guy who fades in the big moment? Is it a guy who puts up really good numbers? Uh, but I think all in all, they have enough to be an 11 and five team this year. And the Packers, for me, are a 9-7, 10-6 team who I do still have in the playoffs. Uh, but it's the Vikings' division for me this year. And then there's nothing to add for me for the Lions and the Bears. Exactly what you said. The bottom two of the division, they have plenty of flaws. And there will be a couple of easy wins for the Packers and the, and the Vikings throughout the year. Maybe the Lions' offense gives them the odd upset here or there. But that's about it.
1: Well, the most intriguing division is the NFC South. Yes. Because Tom Brady going to the Bucks, Gronk follows him. Their offense with Godwin now and Evans, You added the Sean McCoy and their defense young and hungry. A lot of good players under Bruce Arians too, which I think is the right coach for Tom and that situation um, for Tampa. You still got new Orleans who might be the best team on paper. When you look at offensively and defensively with what they can bring out on both sides, Atlanta, Uh, I mean, they can put up numbers offensively with anybody. You add Todd Gurley now to go along with Matt Ryan, Julio, Calvin Ridley. Their defense has always been the big question mark. Deion Jones is a good linebacker. Grady Jarrett's a good D tackle. But outside of that, just too much inconsistency. Mike Smith's getting another shot in Atlanta after his team played well for him down the stretch. We'll see if that benefits for them. And then the Panthers. I mean, McCaffrey is a top five player in the game. He's an incredible running back. He did everything for that team last year. You talk about the wear and tear on Derrick Henry. You'll wonder if we see any from McCaffrey this year, especially with Bridgewater, who is a dim it dunk kind of guy. You got to think they're going to use him the same way they did last year.
0: Um, I think with this division, we could probably agree that it's – the Panthers are going by the wayside and really don't have a chance. The Falcons could be a dark horse. Mm-hmm. And then it's just a battle between the Bucks and the Saints. I think okay. that's pretty much in agreement. Um, yeah. The Falcons could be a dark horse just because they have with Ridley and Jones, probably the, one of the best duos in the league. Mm-hmm. And Matt Ryan is capable of throwing for 5000 in any given year. And they have the big trade with your Ravens. And they bring in Hayden Hurst. Hurst is and an underrated very much under the radar. They bring in Todd Gurley. If it's healthy Todd Gurley, which they've said it is again, I don't really take that at face value. Right. Um, but if it's healthy Todd Gurley, it's a scary offense in Atlanta, uh, again, it's a question of the defense mm-hmm. and they're probably, if everything goes well for them with Gurley and, and, and the defense playing well, their ceiling is probably 10 and six, but that could be enough to make the playoffs. Could be enough to steal a division. If, There's any injuries to the Saints or Bucks, or or they just stumble. Um, But it's the Bucks and the Saints going at it, and that's what the main event is, I think, of the season, honestly, in any division race. They play week one,
1: so we don't have to wait long for that first matchup. But, I mean, it's Brady and Breeze. Like, yeah, what more do you want with their two offensive? Alvin Kamara will be interested to see if he stays with the Saints.
0: I think it's noise. I think it's noise.
1: I do, too. Yeah. but, man, New Orleans is good. You know Breeze wants to get back to another Super Bowl. He knows how good his team is. His window is running the most, down on
0: him. The most heartbreaking losses. I mean, the last three years, Minneapolis miracle, referees botched it in the Rams game with the pass interference call or helmet to helmet or unnecessary roughness, whichever of the three you wanted to call on that play. And then last year, after the defensive P.I., Last year, I don't know how Al Riveron still has a job. uh, That was, to not even review Kyle Rudolph's blatant push-off in the end zone on the game-winning touchdown for the Vikings, Um, three of the most heartbreaking playoff losses in a row. So that's got to be weighing on them. But, I mean, they add Emmanuel Sanders as well. Uh, Michael Thomas is the best receiver in the game. Um, The things he does, it's just totally remarkable. The defense is very underratedly good, mm-hmm. and of course, Drew Brees. And let's not forget, like we saw last year when Brees went down and Bridgewater stepped in, in the event whether it's COVID or an injury, God forbid either, they have Jameis Winston sitting back there,
2: Ew. who and they'll use a lot of Taysom Hill slack.
0: too. Yeah, and they got Taysom Hill, so the Saints are very well constructed again. Now you and I have talked about the bucks and we talked about it with Tim Murray and you guys, you, I don't remember if Tim said it or not, but you said, yeah, I asked him, are they this year's Browns that they're overhyped? I think that is such a misnomer that people are attaching to this team because it's very convenient to look back at last year's Browns and, and this year's bucks. The difference is Brady over Baker. First of all, second of all, um, Odell and Landry is not Mike Evans and, Goodwin, and Godwin. Mike Evans and Godwin are much better. Um, so you've got a better quarterback. You've got a better receiver duo. The running back's a question. They don't have a Nick Chubb. They don't have a Kareem Hunt. Um, whether it's Ronald Jones, whether it's and Vaughn, whether they throw their name in the ring for Leonard right. Fournette, which would be incredible. Um, it can improve the running game. Uh, but I, I think the the biggest misconception around them is that they have a bad defense. Their defense is really solid. They were fifth in the league in DVOA last year, fifth. So they had a very quietly good defense. Their issue was just Jameis Winston forgetting which team he was on and throwing <laughs> 30 interceptions. <laughs> yeah. The guy had over 5,000 yards and 30 touchdowns, but he had 30 picks, which put them in a bad situation. So um, I think with Brady in the fold now, that changes. So I don't see them being this year's Browns. But it comes down to the two, though. I've got the Saints at 12 and four. I've got the Bucks at 11 and five. It's a toss-up. I just like the general makeup of the Saints better, uh, and I'll go with the Saints to win the division. But um, I mean, this Bucks team is a title contender for sure.
1: I I I agree with what you're saying that the Bucks and Browns really don't go hand in hand. But it's just all that public noise. And I think the thing about it is the franchises. These are the only two franchises in the NFL that did not make the playoffs this past decade. I know Tom Brady wasn't there, and he is now, so we'll see how much of a difference that makes. Freddie Kitchens, too, to Bruce Arians. I'm yeah, gonna...
0: that's not even that's that's not a Dad. comparison. That is, no. don't, don't insult Bruce Arians with even entertaining that comparison. Right. Even Byron Leftwich, as the offensive coordinator, could run circles around Freddie Kitchens. So... And I don't mean that as a fat joke to Freddie Kitchens and Brian <laughs> Leftwich being a former NFL quarterback. I mean that as he's a 10 times better right. coach than Freddie Kitchens.
1: Joe, NFC West, can you remember a time when you could legitimately make a case for all four teams, like, making the playoffs? Like, legitimately?
0: Well, first of all, no, because up until this year, that wasn't even possible. Um, where all four teams could make the playoffs. I, the I'm, I'm just saying
1: is like, Oh, we really? <laughs> I, I, I got what you meant. I get Realistic you meant. I just shot
0: you Um, but technically <laughs> it could true, happen though. this year with three wildcard spots. Um, I don't really have as much of an argument though. I think for the Cardinals and Rams, as you do, I see it. I see them being dark horses. I see the Rams maybe regaining their form. Um, but I don't have either of those teams in the playoffs. The Cardinals are going to be fun. Their offense is going to be incredible. DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler, it's going to be such a fun pairing. It's, it's, it's going to be great to watch. Kenyon and Drake, uh, what he proved to be last year, finally getting away from Adam Gase.
1: And Larry um, Fitz gets to be a number two for the first Larry time, Fitz which is did, going to be deadly.
0: It, and, and you still got Christian Kirk. I mean, they yeah. have, they're loaded. The defense isn't great. Uh, for the Rams, it's not the team that made the Super Bowl. The defense isn't as good, still good. It's not as good from a receiver standpoint, losing cooks or, I mean, they, they voluntarily got rid of cooks and, and whatnot, but no cooks means that kind of the three headed monster at receiver of cooks cup and woods is no longer, Van um, Jefferson could really kind of rise. I think there Josh Reynolds was fine last year, but he's not Brandon Cooks. So now it's just Woods and Cup. So that's not as good. It's a big question mark at running back with Cam Akers, with Daryl Henderson, whatever you want to make of it. So it's there. The potential's there. But I don't really – I see them as maybe a seventh-place wildcard team. Um, that's kind of how I, how I view the Rams this year. And the Cardinals, like I said, just the defense isn't good enough. It's, it's the Seahawks and the Niners for me. Niners are far and away the best team. The Seahawks, another one of those teams that won a lot of close games last year, like the Packers, like the Titans, where you could see some regression from the Seahawks, too. I don't know that you will because I think with between Carson and, and DK Metcalf's emergence down the stretch last year to go with Tyler Lockett and Russell Wilson, um, who was an MVP candidate before Lamar, just pulled away with it. I, I think they're – I mean, they'll find their way into the playoffs. They always seem to. Getting Jamal Adams, huge for them. Uh, losing to Debbie and Clowney hurts. If they even do technically lose him, quote unquote, because they could still go out and pluck him because he is yeah. still somehow mind-bogglingly a free agent. Yep. Uh, so they they have the pieces; they'll they'll make the playoffs. But it's it's the Niners, man. The Niners are the Niners are great, they top are. to bottom, they great. Are. The defensive line great. Their secondary great. Their linebackers great. Their running back stable great. That's where it stops, though. Offen- oh, no, offensive line great. But that's they where get it Trent stops Williams because, too. That's yes. under the radar. Because Jimmy Garoppolo is not great and I don't think their receiving core is great. It's unique. And they have a lot of different types of receivers who can really be good playmakers. Um, whether it's Evo Samuel carrying the ball or anything crazy they try to do with the speed of IU, Um, But it, they're loaded and they sniffed the Super Bowl last year and, and blew did. it. And I think they'll come right back with a dominant year again this year. So it's, it's the Niners, the Seahawks. And then the Rams and the Cardinals are competitive, but I don't, know that they're both playoff contenders. I think the Rams could sneak in. I think the Cardinals need a lot to go their way and need to just outscore everyone because I don't know what their defense is going to look like.
1: Cardinals defense, they got Chandler Jones, Patrick Peterson. Remember, they got Isaiah Simmons, who is my favorite player in the draft from this past year. They have some pieces. I'm with you, though. They're going to need to outscore some people, and they could do it with their offense. You, you never know. Kyler, a lot of people are saying he could be this year's Lamar. Take that huge step, maybe compete for an MVP. We'll see. The Rams, I think they're going to get into the playoffs. I think this is their bounce back year. They do have questions at running back. They need to find that third receiver um, to go along with Cup and Woods. Sean McVay is just such a good offensive coach. They need to get back to their bread and butter, running the football, setting up the play action. And then once you get ahead in games, that's when your defense is going to be really good because Aaron Donald can rush after the passer. Yeah. Jalen Ramsey can play pass coverage, and then your defense really gets good. So the Rams need to get up on teams so they can really fulfill. The Seahawks and the Niners, you mentioned, they both have a lot of their pieces coming back. Seahawks add Jamal Adams, which is only going to help them. The Niners, Kyle Shanahan, uh, what he does with that offense and all their motions and trickery, and I mean, he – makes Jimmy Garoppolo look better than he is. Mostert, I mean, he's, he's going to be good for them running behind that O-line and George Kittle. I got the Niners winning Division two, and they're going to be tough to beat in the NFC.
0: Yep, it's going to be really, really tough to knock that team off, especially this year. Now, we go through the playoffs. I don't want to necessarily give playoff predictions like we did for the MLB, uh, because especially this year with, with the three wildcard teams, um, and and how tough tiebreakers can be, and without us actually going through the schedule and looking at that, we don't know what the matchups are going to be. So just top to bottom, my playoff teams: Chiefs one, Ravens two, Colts three, Bills four, as your division winners. Steelers, Titans, Broncos as the three wild card spots, in no particular order. Just my three wild card teams: Steelers, Titans, Broncos. And, and I got right. Yeah. Go ahead. All right, no, go ahead. I was I was just going to go through the NFC as well. Yeah. Um, NFC, Saints, Niners, Cowboys, Vikings as the four. Bucks, Seahawks, Packers as the wild cards.
1: And I got Ravens one, Chiefs two, Bills three, Titans four as the division winners. Steelers, Browns, and I have the Patriots sneaking in as that last one. As long as Bill Belichick's still coaching there. I'm not going to count them out from doing something. NFC, Saints one, Niners two, Packers three, Cowboys four, and then Seahawks-Rams, I think the NFC West gets three teams in there. And then the Bucks, rounding it out. Joe will get through our awards here, and then the betting in teams we like. Your MVP is who?
0: My MVP is Dak Prescott. Um, and, and more on him with my best bets. Uh, he, he threw for almost 5,000 yards last year. The team wasn't that good. But this year I see the Cowboys as a possibly, like I said, 11-5, and five, maybe if they're good enough, 12-4 and four team. If, they, if that's what they are, then he's got a chance because he's going to put up the numbers. My bold prediction for, for this year is Dak gets over that 5,000 yard mark. He was right there last year, and they added CeeDee Lamb and they bring in Mike McCarthy to, to be the head coach. So I think he gets over that hump. I think the touchdowns are there. Uh, I, I, I don't see. Okay, Mahomes and, and Lamar are obviously the guys, but you can almost get kind of sort of how there was Jordan fatigue and LeBron fatigue. As far as the voters go, you can maybe get Lamar and, and Mahomes fatigue, depending on how their seasons go, where they've seen it. They know what it is it is, and it just kind of is what it is. And, and they know that they'll be back to being MVP candidates next year and might just want to kind of give it to a guy like Dak in the meantime. Um, so it's not a chalk pick with Lamar and Mahomes leading the way, but I like Dak.
1: And I like Drew Brees. I think – after the whole flag statement, you know, Sean Payton had to do some damage control, bring that team together. I think they're rallying behind him. When you have Mike Thomas to throw to, Alvin Kamara, Jared Cook, you mentioned they added Emmanuel Sanders. If Breeze can can stay healthy, that team's going to score a lot of the points. And with the division they play in now, facing the Bucks twice, the Falcons twice, that's four games where he's likely probably going to be in a little bit of a shootout. And playing in a dome where you don't have to worry about weather like Dak, you know, I mean, I just, I think Breeze is going to put up monster numbers. Offensive player of the year. I'm going Russell Wilson. You mentioned him and Lamar really neck and neck until Lamar pulled away for MVP. Russ is just so good. Maybe the most underrated player in the NFL. He does so much for that team. His escapability, his accuracy while throwing on the run, his ability to rush the ball. Um, He's great, and I think he's going to put up a lot of numbers for the Seahawks.
0: Yeah, so my thing with Offensive Player of the Year is they try – they try – they don't always succeed, but they try to give it to a non-quarterback. Just going back down the last, you know, few years of it, ever since the turn of the decade, it started with Brady and Breeze, but then it went Peterson, Manning, DeMarco Murray, Cam Newton, Matt Ryan, Todd Gurley, Patrick Mahomes, Michael Thomas. So that's the one award where knowing that the MVP award essentially has, unfortunately, in my opinion, developed into just – Quarterback of the year mm-hmm. where maybe they should just make that an award and maybe have me for something else. But um, offensive player of the year is where they usually try to make it up. And Christian McCaffrey didn't get it last year had an incredible year, but Michael Thomas was equally great. I think this year McCaffrey gets a nod that he probably should have gotten last year, and, and I think he takes O'Poi this year.
1: And then defensive player of the year. <laughs> There's no
0: need to have a conversation here. Aaron Donald winner. It's Aaron Donald, man. Rookie
1: of the year, who you got?
0: Uh, rookie of the year is a toss-up here. So I had a tough time going to Burrow as the QB just because I think QBs are at a unique disadvantage this year without the, the offseason being yeah. the way you wanted it. So I like a running back that can plug and play. It's a running back that Andy Reid has compared to Brian Westbrook, who is his favorite player of all time. Mm. And that is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Elaire, plus 360. Really great fit there. I, I like him to take the rookie of the year this year. Now, my dark horse for value – and PJ, you'll be happy to hear this. My dark horse for, no, my dark horse for value is actually J.K. Dobbins with yeah. your Ravens. Yeah. Because they came out and said Marking Room's a starter. For them to even come out and, and make that distinction means that it wasn't a lock. Because J.K. Dobbins has been turning heads in training camp. And with the, you know the way that offense is run with Lamar and the option, J.K. Dobbins fits it like a glove. Uh, he's plus twenty eight hundred. I think, it, you know, if either Ingram had some sort of injury or if just Dobbins played incredible football and won the job outright, he'll have ample opportunity to to leave his mark this season statistically. Dark horse there. Edward Delaire though, is the pick.
1: When the Ravens, when Ingram was hurt for that playoff game against the Titans, you see how much their running game suffered. Mm-hmm. That's why they got Dobbins in the second round. And like you said, he's been running that offense at, his, at Ohio State for three years. He knows it well. He's going to fit in so well there. I do like that as a dark horse. But Joe Burrow, I mean, it's tough not to go with the quarterback. Two is not going to start. Herbert's not going to start. Love's not going to start. Burrow's the only rookie that's going to start. You know, there are a lot of good receivers CeeDee Lamb, Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, but they're not number one on their teams. Edwards Allaire is another good pick, but if Joe Burrow can win six games for the Bengals, I pretty much think that he's a lock for the award. Cause he's going to have big part to do with it. And then coach of the year, who you roll with?
0: I've got Cliff Kingsbury. I don't know that the Cardinals sneak in, uh, but I think their offense is going to be incredible and fun to watch. Uh, the problem is, you know, they, for the NFL, they try to go with a playoff coach for coach of the year. It seems usually every year. Right. So I think that could be a strike against him, but if their offense comes out and is like fifth in the league, sixth in the league, um, I think he's going to be a very popular pick. And then if they happen to sneak into even a wild card. In that like division? Jubel, yeah. In that division, then he's a slam dunk for it. So, like I said, I don't have them in the playoffs. But I know the chance is there. And if they do make it, it's his award. So, I'll I go with Kingsbury just based on the probability of it. If they do make it, or even if they don't, and the offense is top five, he's got a great claim to stake for it.
1: That was kind of my thinking, too. I'm going Kevin Stefanski of the Browns. If he is able to end this drought for Cleveland and make the playoffs, I don't see how you don't give it to him, especially in that division. You'd think the Ravens and Steelers will both make the playoffs. So if the Browns are able to sneak in, too, I think Stefanski's going to win it. Joe, last thing before we get into trivia to cap off the episode, we got some betting things that we like. All right. So we're each going to pick a favorite team to go over their win total to go under their win total and then a player prop that we love so i'll start with the team that i think is going to go over their win total it might surprise you but i like the washington football team to go
0: over five yeah, it and did, a half it did surprise me <laughs> i gotta <laughs> tell you
1: ron rivera is a really really good coach he i is. love what he's doing he's trying to change the culture he already got rid of geis they're obviously making you know some changes up top Somebody we know, Julie Donaldson, getting the job. Congrats to her. But it it all comes down to Dwayne Haskins. The D-line is going to be nasty. Landon Collins is in the back end. The linebackers are young. The corners are young. But you still got Adrian Peterson plugging away back there. Terry McLaurin proved that really with nobody around him, he can still be productive. If they can find somebody to go with him in that division that they're in, you have to think if you can get two wins against the Giants, you'll probably win one. But if you can win two against the Giants, split with maybe the Eagles and the Cowboys? Nah,
0: that's where you lose me. I don't think they're splitting with the Cowboys. They, they might split with the Eagles. always
1: play Dallas tough.
0: Always. They, they might split with the Eagles. They should split with the Giants. So then it just kind of comes down to the rest of their schedule. Um, I, I don't know. It's, it's, for me, the hook does it. If it was four and a half, I might side with you. I could see five, but I don't know if I see them getting to six. It's just, you know, schedule math. Uh, You mentioned earlier on that they're playing the AFC North. You're losing to the Steelers. You're losing to the Ravens. You're probably losing to the Browns. They're playing this year the the NFC West as their crossover, which you just mentioned is the toughest division in football probably four losses in the NFC West. So that's four losses. You got three probable losses in the AFC North. That's seven. Then you're looking at two losses against the Cowboys. Give them the benefit of the doubt, one against the Eagles, one against the Giants. That's four more. That's already five and 11. Right there, giving them the full benefit of the doubt against the the Eagles and the Giants, I'm already at 11 losses. And that's not even counting their two Similar division finishing opponents in the Lions and the Panthers, which they'll probably be uh, favored in. They are on the road, I believe, against Detroit, home against the Panthers. So they'll, they'll probably beat the Panthers, especially with the whole Ron Rivera thing. But the Lions, we mentioned as a team, that's going to be a very dangerous team, even though they're not great. So at best, at best, giving them a split with the Eagles, split with the Giants, winning both of those like division finishing opponents against the Lions, and against uh, the Panthers, and then stealing one from the Bengals, that's, that only gets them to five. So I don't – The NFC West,
1: though, although all those teams are better than them, Joe, you know when you got to travel west that's to true. east, it is tough. And with no fans there, look, we joke, but Washington doesn't have any fans. That's true. So if there's one team that's going to maybe feel comfortable in this setting, it could be No,
0: you're, You make a good point. You, you so make we'll, we'll see what there. happens. Who do you, you made, have you uh, a going a over there? there. Uh, I, for the win total, have the Vikings. I mentioned that I really like them to win the NFC North. Their total's only nine. So, at worst, you're getting a push, in my opinion. It, even if they don't win the division, they're a wild card team. I think you said you had them as a wild card team as well. So, at worst, you figure that means they're winning nine games. If they're going to make a playoffs, they're probably winning nine games. And their total's nine. So, you're at worst getting a push and getting a running back. Uh, but I see them as a... As, probably an 11 win team this year. Uh, So being that I have them not only one, but two games ahead of their total, and it would only yield a push worst case scenario. I really like the Vikings in that aspect this year. And then on the flip side of that for the under, you are higher on the Patriots than me and still have them barely sneaking to maybe a wild card, whether it's eight and eight or nine and seven. Nine and seven is the absolute ceiling, I think, for this Patriots team if everything goes right, and their total is nine. Same thing like the Vikings, no hook. So if they reach their ceiling and get nine wins, same thing, push. You get your money back. Um, So I I like that aspect of it. Um, And, again, I don't see them even getting to that point. I see them as a seven-win team. So I go with the Patriots as my favorite team to go under the win total.
1: That's scary though. Nine almost seems like really like that high. Like what yeah. does Vegas know? Yeah, I, I
0: did think about I did think about the Washington football team being my under for the same <laughs> reasons that I just laid out as I was going through. That would have been funny actually to have them as your over that would have been the under. One of us would have like been right. said, the best yeah, the best mental gymnastics I can get to is is five wins, which is which is an under. And that's giving them the benefit of the doubt in most cases. So
1: See, the thing, though, is that especially with this season, it's not about who you play, it's when you play them. So Washington could get a really good team, but if a star has COVID or whatever, you never know. I'm going with the Eagles under at nine and a half. They, ever since the Super Bowl, Vegas is so high on the Eagles, and I just I don't get it. They have a lot of talent. I understand. Uh, we've already talked about Carson Wentz and – his injury problems, even though you think he gets a hard time for it. But even if he does stay healthy, you talked about the receivers, the inconsistency with them. The defense is good but not great. Their defensive line is really the strength of that team. But on the back end, they can definitely get burned a little bit. And the running back situation. Miles Sanders is good. This has a chance to be a good team. If he's not, then they could definitely struggle. Yeah. Um, I see that. Doug Peterson is a really good offensive coach. And if Carson yeah. Wentz is healthy, they'll be able to do a lot of good things. But nine and a half is just too many wins. Again, they'll get the, a- they'll get the NF- AFC North. So the Eagles will play the Ravens, Browns, and the Steelers. In their division, they're not going 6 0. So if they lose two games in their division, three games in the AFC North, you're at five losses already. The best that they can do is 11 wins. You got to just get two more losses somewhere else. And I think and they, play the,
0: they, uh, do they play the NFC West as well. I they do. They play, the They Red do. West. Yeah. There so, you go. Yeah. Yeah. Duh. So they play the NFC West as well. So, so that is tough. I can see that happening for sure. I, yeah. I got them right around nine wins. So that's not a bad one. Now real quick here before the trivia player props. Um, I gave you a two for one here. Nice. Dak Prescott last year had 4,900 yards. They added CD lamb. His total is 43, 19 and a half. So 4,320 yards, I could see a regression. I personally think he's going over 5K this year. But even if there is a regression, I don't think it's a 600-yard regression from 4,900 down to 4,320. So that one to me seemed like a slam dunk. Um, And I pair that with Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper has been a a 1,000-yard guy fairly consistently for his career, Uh, The one year that was the exception was the year that things started to go south with the Raiders, where he only had 680 yards. He missed a couple of games. They sucked as a whole. Uh, But then the following year, through six games, he had 280 yards through six games with the Raiders. In nine games with Dallas, 725. So even in that awkward, tough year where he got traded after six games, thrust into a new offense, he still made it to 1,000 yards. Last year, he was at 1,200 yards. So uh, his total is 999 and a half. So uh, for me, it, it seems like a pretty, pretty easy over for him as well to get to the 1,000-yard mark. I don't think CeeDee Lamb cuts into his targets that much um, where he's going to lose 200 yards off his total last year. And again, with the exception of that one dumpster fire year in Oakland in, in 2017, 1070 is a rookie, 1153 the following year. Uh, Just over a thousand in that awkward year where he dealt with the trade, and then twelve hundred last year. So pair those two up. Over forty three twenty for Dak Prescott. Over a thousand for Amari Cooper.
1: And look, I'll tell everybody this: bet a whole lot of unders. If you're going to bet player props, there's so much it has to go right for guys to hit their over. But for this case, I picked the best over that I like. I'm going with my guy Marquise Hollywood Brown on the Ravens. And when teams face the Ravens this year, they're no, they have to stop the run, and they're going to take away Mark Andrews because that's Lamar's favorite target. Hollywood's now healthy this year, and because defenses will put so many guys in the box to stop the run, that gives him one-on ones in the outside. With his speed, he can score two, three, maybe four touchdowns of over 50, 60 yards, and he's going to approach that total really quick. So I think Hollywood Brown's a, a good bet to get over the 849 and a half yards that you can get him at for his player prop. And right. that, that's everything we got for our prediction, Joe. Last thing, as always, we'll get trivia. trivia
0: where you, you got
1: your question right last week.
0: No, I did not. You did not. Oh, that was I too did not. To you out. got it right last week. You are 5 for 14. I am 3.5 for 14. Okay.
1: Awesome. Um, I will give you Hi. your question first. It's a great one. All right. All right. You're going to really enjoy it. So, as always, 90 seconds, three strikes. In the last 10 years, seven teams in the NFL have won seven or more games on opening weekend. You can name me four of them. I'll give it to
0: you. So, seven, the last how many years? Last ten years. The last decade.
1: So there have been seven teams that have gone either seven and three or eight and two. Two have gone eight and two, five have gone seven and three on opening weekend. You can give me four of those seven teams, I'll give it to you. All Time right. starts now.
0: God, this is a total crap shoot. I know the Jets are pretty good on opening day, Are the Jets one of them. They're not. They're close though. All right, strike one. Um Cowboys usually got that like Sunday night to open the year and they do pretty well? Cowboys? Not the Cowboys. PJ, this is an impossible question. I'm going to start giving you harder stuff too. <laughs> the last decade, seven teams that have gone seven. I
1: mean, how am I supposed to answer this? They're, they're um, franchises.
0: Uh, the Patriots. There's one, eight and two. Okay. Um, the Patriots got it. All right. Uh, Good franchises, the the Chiefs. I mean, uh, yes, the Chiefs. Not the Chiefs. All right, now this is uh, <laughs> this you did is horrible not Enjoy piece. that question. I'm, I'm coming back at you with something hard next week because I'm not changing it now. But oh man, wow.
1: Well, the Patriots, you got the Steelers, eight and two, good franchise. The Saints, seven and three, good franchise. Seahawks, seven and three, good franchise. Packers, seven and three, good franchise. Uh-huh. And then the tough ones. Were the Broncos, but they got all those years of Manning and the Colts too, so they're both seven.
0: Uh, yeah, I don't like that question at all. That was uh, uh, no. that was it was it was creative, but it was uh, that that could have gone a lot of ways because I know in that decade the Jets were like six and four on opening days, so. Opening days are are fair.
1: All right. Well, that made up for the hard knocks question. It did. You know (laughs)
0: that's why I can't get too mad, and and why I'm thinking thinking, maybe I don't give you something hard next week because the hard knocks question was was pretty rough. So um, my question for you, we touched on it while we were going through um, our whole thing about the MVP. It's usually the quarterback award. That's what they should rename it to. But uh, since 1990, last 30 years. Uh, There have been some instances where they've budged from it just being the quarterback award. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times in the last 30 years. Eight times in the last 30 years where another position either outright won or in one case shared the award with the quarterback. Um, So seven of the eight outright winners, one time shared. Uh, I just want you to give me five. Of those eight non-quarterback winners from the last thirty years of the MVP award, do you understand the question? The time
1: stamps.
0: Do. Okay. A Lee and Tomlinson. That is one of them. Two thousand six.
1: Sean Alexander win it.
0: Yes, two thousand five, back to back.
1: Um, I don't think Adrian Peterson won it because he won it that year. Receivers, I mean, last thirty years uh last 30 years lawrence taylor
0: lawrence taylor did not you did just miss it he was 1986 so you were on the right track but he was 1986 so you missed it by four years strike one
1: ray lewis only one defensive ed reed only one defensive um let's see more running backs barry sanders
0: uh, Barry Sanders is the shared one in 1997 with Brett Favre. So there's three. Two more to go. You got another 40 seconds and you still have two strikes to work with. All right. Um, Jerry Rice is just. That's 30. Years. Emmett Smith. Emmett Smith, 1993. You need one more. You got 20 seconds. You got two strikes.
1: All right. Jerry Rice? No. Okay. <laughs> Um. So let's see. Fifteen seconds. One strike. It's gotta be. 10
0: seconds. Running back.
1: Um. It's probably not right, but I'll go. Terrell Four, Davis.
0: Three. Terrell Davis at the buzzer, nineteen ninety eight. You had one twenty eight yeah. on the clock. Nineteen ninety eight. <laughs> Terrell Davis. Were there
1: any receivers
0: that one There were no. There were no receivers, and that was kind of the point of the question. It's either the quarterback award or it's the running back award. All eight of the non-quarterbacks since 1990, are running backs. Uh, you mentioned him. Adrian Peterson won you, you, it? He did. You, you, you should be glad that you still got the question, <laughs> right? You would have hated yourself. Yeah. You were right in saying that he was around Peyton. Peyton was the year after. 2012 was the year Peyton missed with the neck. Uh, I'm sorry, no. 2012 was the year that Peyton came back from the neck. His first season back, and it wasn't as great. Uh, and then he went off. Is Chris bunker.
1: Johnson another one?
0: He is not. So the, the, you got the five. Right. AP was one of the ones that you missed. Uh, the other two that you missed going all the way back into the 90s, Thurman Thomas in 1991, and then Marshall Falk in 2000. Mm, great show. Those are the two you missed. That
1: was a good one. That was a good one. Yeah. That was Davis. a gettable one. That was, was some a good one,
0: PJ. <laughs> I, apologize. <laughs> I apologize.
1: I apologize. You know, I, it was tough because it is a crapshoot week one. But some good teams were on that list, so I'm like, maybe Joe will stumble into a couple. But I yeah.
0: Guess. All right, three point okay. five.
1: Well, 3. we're
0: 15. we're even
1: right. now for the hard knocks.
0: So. Yeah, yeah. I guess so you're at you're six for fifteen. I'm three point five for fifteen.
1: I'll give you a Jets trivia. Next I'll give you Ravens.
0: Week, so. I'll match it and give you Ravens. Now that we're into the season,
1: sounds good. All right. Well, that was a lot of fun. Thanks again to Adrian Dantley for joining us. A longer episode this week as we're pre- previewing we the NFL. We needed to get all the a NFL A little bit there. excited.
0: Just a little Yes. Bit. Just a little Yes. Bit. If you don't make it through the whole thing, stay for some of it. Share it to your friends. Tell them to listen to some of it. If you made it through the whole thing, text us and to, and to claim your prize. And, and yep. we'll let you know what that was. So <laughs> exactly. that, uh, If you get through the whole thing, let us know. We'll send you something nice. We'll send you something nice. <laughs> we'll you something
1: <laughs> nice. Exactly. For Joe Alpha, I'm TJ Glasser. We'll see you next time.